The nail in the coffin! It's the Nail in the Coffin podcast. I'm Tom. He's Travis. It's Wednesday night. Trev, how's it going, buddy? Doing well, my man. How are you? I cannot complain. Can't complain at all. Uh, let's. Uh, what do you say we talk some baseball tonight? Let's get into it. All right. Um, we've got some stuff to talk about with the Tribe. They're uh, currently in the process of beating the holy hell out of the Reds here as we record. Uh, we'll get into them in a minute. But first, you were at the AAA Home Run Derby on Monday night down in Columbus, right? I, I was. A couple of my buddies of mine, uh, we were just bullshitting this past weekend, and my one friend's like, oh, wait, Home Run Derby is at Huntington Park on Monday. Do you guys want to check it out? And I'm like, well, I don't know if I really want to or not, but you know what? What the hell? You know, I, I got nothing else to do. I'll go down to the baseball uh, baseball stadium for a day and, and, and check things out, see a bunch of names that, quite frankly, I, I may never hear again. Um, there was uh, – the one name that popped up was um, Sean Armstrong uh, was somehow there. You may know him as former uh, – he made a few appearances for the Tribe last year, I think. Um, I'm not sure what exactly he was doing there because he took part in an outfield drill. Okay. Um, it was weird. So the whole the whole setup of this thing is pretty, pretty comical. Um, so they had a skills competition – and they had a home run derby. Home run derby was at the end, right? And they had like three or four different competitions throughout it. And the funniest thing that I noticed right off the bat is all of these competitions had like a theme. And so like they had uh, outfield throwing, um, situational hitting, pitchers bunting. And all of the names of the games were the theme plus the word and points. So it was pitchers bunting for points outfielders throwing for points i was like well of course they're for points what's like the, the formula for uh what yeah. you do with fortune cookie fortunes or uh... <laughs> exactly and i'm like well, yeah you don't just need to like this is how creative you got you just threw four points at the end of it let's do a game about pitchers bunting okay what should we call it pitchers bunting for points winner do it <laughs> um so the first game was uh outfielders throwing and they it, it, this one actually was somewhat fine they just had a handful of outfielders in the outfield um and they had like a couple rings set up basically between the spot in the outfield and home plate so you threw and you tried to go through the rings and the more rings you made it through the more points you got totally normal game right i'm like all right i could see why this would be something that would be semi-entertaining to watch then we got to pitchers bunting for points <laughs> this about as thrilling as you would expect it to be until you realize what's going on and just make a complete joke out of it. So the game was essentially there was a handful of hula hoops sitting on the ground in front of home plate and the, and a guy like throwing, you know, batting practice to pitchers and the pitchers laying down bunts and trying to get them to stop inside the uh, stop inside the hula hoops. If a ball went foul, it was negative points. If it was, if it didn't go in a hula hoop, it was just in play. It was zero points. Um, the winner had zero points. <laughs> uh, in the finals, there was two guys. I think 
maybe six guys went, and I want to say only two managed to put one, even one ball in the hoop. Anybody get their fingers broken trying to bunt? (laughs) No, no, they were throwing in, uh, they were throwing in about 50 miles an hour, so they weren't exactly firing them in there. All right. Um, But, so these, the first two guys that got out there, I think they probably took six to eight pitches. I don't know exactly what the count was. None of them even came like remotely close to stopping in the in the hoop. And all I could think as I'm sitting there is like whoever came up with this game, did they not like float the idea? Maybe we should try this to see if it's actually entertaining. Let's workshop this a bit. <laughs> exactly. Let's hash it out. See how it goes. Um, so that was hilariously entertaining because they actually the way they did it was pretty funny. They assigned like various sections to a color and I happened to be in the green section and as and, and each guy in each competition was represented one of those sections. So even if you didn't know who a guy was, you had someone to root for, right? So that aspect of it was actually fairly fairly well thought out. It was a good idea on their part. They gave out like t-shirts to every section based on what color they were. Um, so after this debacle, it was like after the first round, you're like, okay, this is terrible, but I'm going to sit here and make, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself somehow watching this. And you're just cheering the ineptitude of everybody as the game goes on. Eventually the guy, yeah, the one guy goes up, puts none in the, um, puts none in any of the hoops, but keeps them all in play. The, The second guy, the other finalist comes up second to last ball. He bunts it foul. The whole place loses it because they're like, All right, something's going to happen here. He's either got to put one in or uh, or he's going to lose, right? So he bunts the second one out of play. The place goes nuts just because there was a result. Like something happened, so everyone loved it. Um, next up was probably one of the funniest live things I've ever seen at a sporting event. They had this thing called situational hitting. And there was like sections of the field that were like marked off. And if you hit it into that section, you got points for it. Uh, sorry, it was situational hitting for points. For points, uh, of course. For points. Let's be important clear cavi- here. Important caveat. So there were certain sections. And if you hit a home run, I think it was 200 points. And they had a golf cart painted like with – it was like the cart you see at the uh, driving range, right, where it's all fenced in. It was covered in like an orange crush logo. And this thing was driving along the warning track. And if you hit the cart, you got 500 points. It's going back and forth the whole time. And so that's all anybody wants to see, right? At of that course. point, when you tell us that, we just want you to hit the fucking cart. That's it. <laughs> so anything that comes close, we're all like on pins and needles. And, you know, like any of these all-star games, they got a bunch of, you know, kids in the outfield shagging balls and stuff like 9, 10, 11, 12 year old kids, right? Guy comes up for the green team and probably has two or three balls left, hits a ball straight at the cart where it's going, and everybody knows it's going to hit this cart, right? And everybody's getting excited. You can feel the energy as it's in the air. You're like, he's going to do it. 11 year old kid comes over, catches it. Oh, the no. Crowd boos this kid. <laughs> Everybody is booing this kid. Everybody loses it. Doesn't matter what team you're representing. You just wanted to see a ball hit the cart, and this kid robbed us of that opportunity. <laughs> well, we all got to grow up sometime. <laughs> Everybody's booing the hell out of this guy, and they had a they had like a, a DJ guy or I don't know what you call him, a master of ceremonies, um, like doing it, and he starts getting. 
he asks the crowd, like, well, should we give it to him? He's, you know, he clearly feels bad for this kid. He's like, I need to give it to this guy so this kid can get out of here alive. <laughs> um, so everybody just starts screaming yes, right? They're all doing the Daniel Bryan yes chant when he asks it. <laughs> and finally, the 500 points go up on the scoreboard for the guy, and everybody goes ballistic. Everybody's excited. No one. The weirdest thing is no one actually cares. I've never <laughs> seen people get so excited about something that like they end up realizing afterwards, like, oh, yeah, that was completely meaningless. Uh, but I, I did momentarily feel bad for this kid, uh, but I booed as loud as anybody, so I didn't <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I gave it to him. I was I was so I was a few Bud Lights deep at that point. And I was not not terribly happy with this kid's decision and robbing me of that joy. Uh, but quite frankly, him catching it actually made it more enjoyable than hitting the car. Everybody um, wins. <laughs> oh, it was um, the home run derby was completely non um, not noteworthy. It was a normal. It was a home run derby. You know, nothing to write home about there they had no real they really need to find the sort of gimmick that they're going to come up with for it because i tell you what i love because they were ridiculous i was going to say i love what the major league baseball one has done in the last couple years and the format tweaks that they've had i uh i went to the derby when it was at jacobs field back in 97 and that was pretty cool um but uh, the the format that they have now that they've been using in recent years has been great. And next week when we get this year's Derby, I'm already looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, if uh, anybody with a direct line to Rob Manfred's office uh, is listening to us, they could uh, hopefully take some notes down from your experience over there at Huntington Park. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that kid, uh, the uh, the 11 year old kid's uh, invite will get lo- lost in the mail. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Sure, yeah, I'm not sure he's getting brought back. For, for uh they all-star game was actually tonight ah. so i don't think he'll be on the sidelines tonight nah, um, nevertheless but as we were walking out me and my two buddies that went we're both like we have to go to the derby next year um, oh yeah i have to go to it like i don't i don't know what i have to do but i'm gonna make sure that we're at that the funny thing is like i would it would be hysterical if they somehow brought like a couple of these games specifically the pitchers bonding like it was the funniest thing i've ever seen um if they were to bring that to the majors where it's like Corey kluber going up there slapping down bonds that would just be the funniest thing i've ever seen oh yeah and i was gonna say like i like all the all-star week festivity things everything that they're doing i watch the celebrity softball game i'm probably one of like five people in america that'll try to at least catch part of it every year I, don't ask me why. It's just, you know, it's one of those nights in the summer when there's just nothing else on, and now it's become just like a rite of uh, the midsummer. I love the All-Star game itself, whether Hope Field is on the line for the World Series or not. I watch it every year. Um, Derby's great, but yeah, I, I would not be opposed to adding in some more games on uh, on the Monday night before the All-Star game. Yeah, no, it was, it was for points. We actually we yeah, for points, of course. <laughs> that was the like God. I, I, I love that aspect of it. I can't get over the fact that they're like, well, what should we call it? Well, let's just call it situational hitting for points. Yeah, all right, let's go with that. Well, that kind of um, like in a, in a different vein. It kind of reminds me of the Major League Baseball TV network, MLB TV. Have you noticed that all of their shows are just titled random baseball phrases? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have no clue. I mean, I don't even think I get that the channel in my cable package. intentional talk, but I know I've right. heard of them. Right. But like everything else, I think there's one that's called High Heat. I think there's one that's, I, I don't know, there's probably a Move the Runner or something. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just, no, I, one, no one wanted to take small ball? 
Uh, Everybody passed on that nah, one? Nah, that one I think no got, one uh, that didn't time. test very well, so. <laughs> got left on the editing room. It did, it did. But, um, yeah, so it was, like, way more entertaining than I would have expected, because we looked at it, and we're just like, all right, this is going to be ridiculous, but whatever, what else are we going to do? And it actually turned out to be a lot of fun. Um, they had, I actually missed the Celebrity All-Star game. They had, like, a three-inning uh, three game of, like, local media Versus a team called the Ohio Muffins. What? <laughs> what? I have, no, I have no idea what they are. They're the Ohio, they were called the Ohio Muffins of the Ohio Historical Society or something. All right. I don't remember what it was, but we were just we were a little bit late, unfortunately, so we didn't get to uh, we didn't get to catch it. Uh, but I have a feeling it was probably just as good as everything else. It was at like six o'clock though, so we couldn't make it on time, unfortunately. Wow. Those local yeah, celebrities. so that was my experience at the AAA um, All Star Exhibition. Well, that's uh, sounds like a good evening at the old ball yard. I mean, it's it's hard to have a bad evening at the at the ball yard. Um, <laughs> Hold that thought. Nine, unless you stayed all nine yesterday. <laughs> Funny you should mention that. Um, in a perfect segue, I, I know the Indians are beating the brakes off the Reds right now, but uh, 24 hours ago, a little bit different story. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to uh, the fine folks at the Mascarino and Troy Law Firm. Uh, that's where my wife works. And uh, they had a, uh, a firm outing last night and uh, took out all the employees and uh, their significant others. So uh, went out uh, with that whole crew and uh, it was uh, for about two hours and 20 minutes. It was fantastic. Uh, Tribe was in control the whole night. And uh, then uh, then the ninth inning happened. Um, not great. Not uh, not great at all. <laughs> that's 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 all you got. No, oh, I, I've got a lot more. Um, yeah, so I I was especially dumbfounded when I got home and was kind of reading stuff online and saw why Dan Otero was in the game after Cody Allen couldn't nail things down. I thought it was odd at the time. But I was like, okay, whatever, you know, maybe they must like the matchup or something. No, they just have nicknames for everybody in the bullpen that sound too similar and just rolled with it. So, all right, for the record, those aren't nicknames; those are just letters. Like in the <laughs> OP, that's not a nickname. Nicknames are names. Like we need to get and Francona is his, like notorious for having the laziest nicknames for everybody, right? Like, and, and it's sort of always been a running joke. Um, but this time it bit him in the ass. It did. Um, our uh, our good buddy over at Waiting for Next Year, Scott Sargent, had what I thought was a, uh, a really interesting uh, article on the site. It was the, uh, the old while we're waiting uh, morning staple of uh, waitingfornextyear.com. And uh, he kind of... Uh, Lived into the Indians a little bit, and he, I believe he called it the nadir of the season for the bullpen, which, hard to argue that point, and he kind of built it out to, this was indicative of the season at large for the Indians in terms of, like, yeah, they've got the uh, the division lead, um, they're pretty much a lock for the playoffs, but there are concerns here, and what the hell are we waiting for? Why aren't these being addressed? And that was kind of more of where I wanted to go with this discussion anyway, because I'm curious to know 
what you think about it. We're going to, we're going to go into a deep dive on the Indians next week and kind of hit all aspects of the team. Cause truth be told, we haven't really done anything with the tribe since geez, I don't think opening day. So we're, we're long overdue for some tribe talk, but I thought at least for tonight, this particular angle was something that was worth, worth discussing. So what, uh, what do you make of that? Um, well, which specific angle do you want me to go at first? The fact that the bullpen, I think, has been uh, a pretty glaring problem all year and uh, just kind of seems like the front office is waiting and waiting and waiting and not doing anything with it. I, I have an opinion on this, but I want to hear what you say first. Okay, I think there's a couple different aspects of it. A, the fact that they have such a huge lead in their division um, is a part of it. I don't think it's a reason that they're that they're – and I, I don't necessarily – I don't think they're not doing anything about it. Um, I have to hope that behind the scenes they are absolutely making a ton of calls, and they just haven't done anything about it yet. Um, unfortunately, in baseball, when it comes to trades like this, a lot of them don't come together overnight, right? So it can take a while of going back and forth and feeling things out and seeing what – you know, who is actually available and what you need to give up to get them and all those sorts of things. I hope that they're doing that. I, I have to expect – that they're doing the due diligence on that side, and we should expect to see them doing everything they can to get um, at least one other uh, bullpen arm. Second, Andrew Miller's hurt, and I think the fact that they had this usually in the division is a huge reason that uh, they're in no hurry to bring him back. Um, obviously, they want him back, for clearly, um, but I, I think they're – giving him maybe more time and have a little less urgency than they might have under other circumstances simply because they're so damn comfortable with where they're at in the standings. Okay. First thing I want to say is if you are somebody who follows this team day in and day out and you live and die with every game, I could understand after watching this bullpen for three and a half months, why you might be feeling like you're ready to go rip a phone book in half uh, last night was my first trip to the ball yard all year. Um, long overdue, by the way. I I, I fully take uh, responsibility for that, and uh, yeah, I need to get back down there again real soon. But uh, you know, I, I I think I'm less uh, at my wits' end than some other folks are, just because I've kind of had the tribe as uh, at an arm's length, so to speak. Um, and I know for people who are getting frustrated by the bullpen situation. Uh, the whole, uh, but they play in the AL Central. Uh, it's a terrible attitude, and it's it's not a good enough excuse. Having said that, like you said, they play in the AL Central, and I think if you are of the opinion that the Indians have been lackadaisical in some aspects, I think after you play two straight years in the postseason and you have a division that's this bad this year, it's hard enough to get up in the regular season for for six months as it is. And when it gets to be this big of a drop-off with the rest of the teams in the Central, uh, you know, I can understand why the Indians, I think, might at times look a little bit lackluster. Um, and the other thing with this is if you're looking at the standings, they're locked into the three seed. Um 22-game winning streaks don't happen every year, and short of that, I don't think anything's going to change with their positioning. And even if it could, I'm not entirely sure the Indians would care anyway, just because if you look back the last two seasons, they've gotten 
knocked out of the postseason, losing winner-take-all games at home. So the whole, like, you know, busting your tail for six months to get home field, they did everything right, lining up everything, and they were going into the playoffs with a lot of momentum last year, and you see where it got them. Um, so, I, again, maybe that's not the best attitude to have, and maybe that's an excuse, and I certainly don't want to come across as a tribe apologist, but the, the whole idea of, like, oh, you got to try to get home field, I, I don't really think is, is much of a thing. Yeah, no, I don't think it. I don't think it really matters in in baseball. I think it's all matchups getting right. You know, and we saw that last year with the Yankees. We all knew going into that series, hey, we might be the better team, but this is a bad matchup for the Indians just in general. Yeah, um, and that and that was proven on the field, right? So I don't know that I don't really care about where they finish as long as they win the division. Right, and that's what's going to happen, barring something catastrophic. The Indians are going to win the division. Uh, the other two division winners in the American League are going to have a better record than them. And yeah, they're 15 games right now. They're 15 games behind the Red Sox. Give I think yeah, 15 games behind the Red Sox and 13 behind the Astros. There you go. They're not. You're not making up that ground. Yeah. Because even if you do have a 22 game win streak, you're still not catching those teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could win the next 22, and guess what? You're still probably going to be five, six, seven games behind them. So, um, I mean, that just is what it is. Don't worry about that anymore. They just need to focus on getting guys healthy, specifically Andrew Miller. Um, winning their division, which they're going to do, um, and figure out what they're gonna what they're gonna look like in the playoffs. Yeah, and the other thing with this that I wanted to say with you know people getting antsy waiting for a trade, you know, um, Scott, you know, had the the point like you don't have to wait until the deadline to make a trade. You can make deals before that, and that's absolutely a hundred percent true. Um, the one thing that I would say to that is you have a finite number of trade chips to work with. And the Indians have assets that they can deal here to go out and, and get some major league uh, impact players. Um, you know, you look at their farm system. They've got some guys that they, they can deal. Um, but you can only trade those players once. And you, I think you want to be absolutely sure of what your biggest needs are going to be when you're dealing those chips away. I mean, we got the news about... Lonnie Chisenhall, for example, that he's going to be out, what, eight to ten weeks or something like that? That's going to take him most of the regular season? Um, that news just came down a couple days ago. And, you know, I think there was talk that they needed an outfielder before that. Well, I think when you take Chisenhall out of the mix, the need for an outfielder becomes even more amplified. Um, so, you know, it, your focus is not on what do I need to do to make the best team right now for the middle of July, it's what do I need for the best team in October? Um, so I think that's something to consider. And then, you know, the other thing with that is, you know, the later in the season you get, the the more the, the division leaders and the wild card contenders tend to separate from the rest of the pack and you start getting more sellers and that's going to create a better market for the buyers. Um, it's going to lower the asking price. So um, I just, yeah, I want to see the Indians improve their bullpen. Um, I think this uh, currently eighteen to two lead is probably safe even for this pen uh, for tonight. But uh, on wood. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I get it, and I understand wanting to do that. Um, and I'll be the first to say right now that if they don't make some significant uh, additions on that front at the deadline, or especially by the uh, the, the waiver trade deadline in, in August, then I'll be right at the front, uh, the front of the gates, uh, 
banging down the door, uh, raising holy hell about why they're squandering an opportunity here. But uh, yeah, at least for now, let's uh, let's tap the brakes a bit. Yeah, and I think you sort of you kind of mentioned it there, and I think that's one of the things to remember. Teams like the Indians, who um, you know. They build through their their farm systems. They're not guys that go out and sign huge, huge players when they have a hole, right? They're not the Yankees or, or the Red Sox or you know the Dodgers or whoever else you can think of. Who, if they happen to trade a guy away, they'll just go replace him with a free agent later. So their leverage is um, around the trade deadline when teams know, hey, I got to shit or get off the pot with trading this guy. Um, so maybe I'm not going to get the number one or number two prospect. Maybe I got to settle for the fourth or fifth guy. Those are, that's where the Indians are going to, you know, sort of make their mark. And, and you have to hope that that's what they end up doing. Yeah. It would be great if we saw a great trade come down tonight with, um, you know, with not a bunch of, uh, not, not, a, none of the huge names and we get a good, a good arm out of it or something along those lines. But, it's it's the way it's going to be when you're rooting for the Indians. I let, think people always want them to be something different than they are. And let me what ask you they've this. done it has worked. Let me ask you this. What exactly would have changed if they paid the premium to make deals super early, way ahead of the trade deadline? Um. Oh, no, not, not a whole lot other than we would know that we got the guy. Right. You have to, I mean, you can't really answer that right yeah. now. Ask me again in a month or two. Um, ask me after the trade deadline when I can see what they actually look like. But right now, nothing. Because they're in a position where, like we said, they're going to win the division. They don't need to make these moves urgently. The biggest problem is that they get to the trade deadline, they wait like that long, and then they're not able to get a deal done. Yeah. I'm willing to take my chances. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I guess I trust the front office. Um, a couple years ago, they got Andrew Miller. Obviously, that was huge. Um, they've they've routinely been able to get things done when they needed to. So I, I trust them, and I'm, I'll just wait it out. I'm I guess I'm a little more patient, I think, than than Indians Twitter is as a whole. And to be fair, I am also I will fully admit that I am also the same guy that six weeks before the NBA trade deadline, I said there's no fucking way the Cavs can wait until deadline day to turn this roster over, and that was exactly what they did. And it ended up working out just fine for them. They got to the finals. So, <laughs> but again, that's a team that I'm living with and dying with every single day. And I'm following closely and I'm in it. So yeah, I'm probably losing my mind watching what what was going on with that team. And maybe I don't have the same level of investment with the tribe and I can be a little bit more patient with things. But uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think everybody's kind of like that. You. The other thing is they play every single night, right? And so when something like that happens, everybody freaks out because they're all just sitting on Twitter talking about it. And we've been talking about the bullpen for so long that last night was just another culmination. It's just building up more. But um, I hope that most of the people are uh, more patient than they maybe let on on the Internet. Yeah. All right. Not likely, but <laughs> probably not. Um, all right. One more thing I wanted to talk about before we close up shop. Uh, you got a cool thing going on again this summer. Why don't you tell us about it? I do. So I did it last year. Um, it's an event called Pelotonia. It is down here in Columbus. It's a bike ride that um, just drives, rides through basically the Columbus area. Um, various distances that you can do. I usually do between 50 and 100 miles this year. 
I'm hoping to bump up to 100 miles, but I have to see how the legs feel. I might just end up doing 50. Um, but really doesn't really matter how far I'm driving. The whole event is geared around raising money for um, the Ohio State Cancer Hospital. Um, we raised, I believe, somewhere total now. We've raised $150 million over the last nine years. This will be my eighth year doing it. Um, so I try to raise money. I get friends, family, anybody basically that wants to donate anything to chip a little money in and I repay them by sitting on a bike until I can't feel my ass anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sort of a fair trade, I think. Um, It's a great cause, does a lot of great stuff. I've seen what they do at the hospital there, um, making incredible strides. Um, There is a link on our site, obviously, um, but the address is just pelotonia.org. Uh, for my page specifically, it's pelotonia.org slash Travis Um, if you're listening and you've gotten any enjoyment out of this podcast at any point, quickly go to the, to my page, donate a little bit. I don't even care how much you donate. I'll send you a card at the end and you can call it a day, but it's an amazing cause does some great things. It's huge here in the Columbus area. It's, it's really doing some amazing, they've had amazing progress over the years I've been doing it. And it's, it's honestly probably the one time of the year that I'm uh, thinking about someone other than myself. So uh, I, per- I personally love it. It's my favorite event. I think it's a great cause. And like I said, if you're listening and end up in front of a computer or something, go ahead, chip a little money in. Yeah. And if you uh, have never actually enjoyed listening to us, um, you should still chip in a few yeah, why bucks are you anywhere. Here? Yeah. True. <laughs> true. But if we're only limiting it, it to people who like us, then uh, you're, you're gonna the well's gonna be dry for you. But. Fair enough. But how have they made it this far? Oh, that's fair. That's fair. So no, it's a good cause, and uh, I've always been happy to support you with doing that. And uh, you know, I've done my research on uh, where that money's going, and it, uh, it seems like it's uh, very much a, an up and up uh, operation there. There, uh, it's money well spent, and uh, yeah, doing great and, and I guess I, I should have mentioned that every dollar, every penny that you donate is goes directly towards grants and cancer research at the hospital none of it is going towards administrative costs or any of that stuff they have a few huge large uh donors primarily large corporations around here that underwrite the entire cost of of running the event um so every dollar that we get from donations goes directly towards research so you don't have to worry about how much of this is actually making a difference every penny you donate will make a difference good stuff man all right, we will make sure to have the link to Travis's uh, page in the show notes. And uh, if you're listening to us on waitingfornextyear.com, uh, we will have the link uh, listed there uh, underneath the, uh, the the streaming link there. And also make sure to put it on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. Uh, all right, man, anything else that uh, you wanted to cover? No, I think I'm good. Although I did just see a really interesting stat on Twitter um, from Alex Hooper, local local guy. Um, through four innings today, Edwin Encarnacion were, and Greg Allen were the only two Indians guys that had not scored at least two runs. Wow. They each scored one. So every hitter had scored one run through four innings today. All but two of them had scored two. Man, banana sick. stuff up at the at the stadium today. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no no doubt about that. So, uh, well, here it's a uh, good night for the tribe. Yeah, um, they can they, they all kind of. I think everybody's sort of blaming themselves after the game yesterday. 
um, from Tito to um, uh, Willis and the the coach in the bullpen to uh, Cody Allen. All of them sort of taking the blame for it. Kind of pissed off everyone. They're like, all right, we're just going to go beat the shit out of it tonight. And it's nice to see a pretty fun event. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man, let's uh, let's shut it down. Wrap it up. All right, as always, you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are on Stitcher, and we are also on TuneIn. As I mentioned earlier, you can stream us on your desktop on uh, waitingfornextyear.com, and uh, go check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. Uh, looking forward next week uh, to talking more tribe. We got a guest lined up, and uh, Got a couple other guests uh, in the works uh, for the coming weeks. We're going to touch on some subjects that we haven't really covered here in the past. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, it's going to be a fun uh, fun summer here uh, over the next couple months. So uh, that will do it for us for this week. For Travis Uli, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we'll talk to you again soon. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.